Hey leader, and welcome to another episode of the L3 Leadership Podcast, where we are obsessed with helping you grow to your maximum potential and to maximize the impact of your leadership. My name is Doug Smith, and I am your host, and today's episode is brought to you by my friends at Baritong Advisors. We're also recording this episode live from our new Return.com studio. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here, and I hope that you'll enjoy our content and become a subscriber. Know that you can also watch all of our episodes over on our YouTube channel, so make sure you're subscribed there as well. And as always, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while and it's made an impact on your life, it would mean the world to me personally if you would leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever app you listen to podcasts through. That really does help us to grow our audience and reach more leaders. So thank you in advance for that. Well, leader, in today's episode, you'll hear my conversation with Chad Willerton. This is Chad's second time on the podcast. I interviewed him back in episode number 341. And in that episode, we focused on his book called Smart Not Spoiled, which I recommend every parent read. It's phenomenal. And I've been following Chad ever since and love, love, love his content and had to have him back on the show. And if you're unfamiliar with Chad, let me just tell you a little bit about him. Chad is the founder and president of Pacific Capital, which is a fiduciary wealth advisory firm that he founded in 2011 that serves entrepreneurs and families. His best-selling first book, Stress-Free Money, has been featured in Forbes 21 Books to Read in 2021 and on NBC News and Yahoo Finance. Chad is recognized as one of the top wealth management experts in the country and has appeared on the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Inc., U.S. News and World Report, Entrepreneur and Financial Advisor Magazine, and he lives in South Carolina with his wife, Amber, and their five children. And in our conversation today, you'll hear Chad and I talk about his advice for overcoming the fear of launching your own company, his advice for entrepreneurs, advice on money, and I take him through the lightning round, which you're going to love. But before we dive into this conversation, just a few announcements. This episode of the L3 Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Baritung Advisors. The financial advisors at Baritung Advisors help educate and empower clients to make informed financial decisions. You can find out how Baritung Advisors can help you develop a customized financial plan for your financial future by visiting their website at baratungadvisors.com. That's B-E-R-A-T-U-N-G advisors.com. Securities and investment products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA and SIPC. Baratung Advisors, LPL Financial, and L3 Leadership are separate entities. I also want to thank our sponsor, Henny Jewelers. They're a jeweler owned by my friend and mentor, John Henny. And my wife, Laura, and I got our engagement and wedding rings through Henny Jewelers and had an incredible experience. And not only do they have great jewelry, but they also invest in people. In fact, for every couple that comes in engaged, they give them a book to help them prepare for marriage. And we just love that. So if you're in need of a good jeweler, check out hennyjewelers.com. And I also want to thank our new sponsor, Return.com. And Leader, let me just ask you this. Have you ever had an interest in investing in real estate? Well, now for as little as $500, you can become a commercial real estate investor. Just visit Return.com to learn more. That's R-E-I-T-U-R-N.com. Investing involves risk. Please consult the Return Offering Circular if you're interested in investing. And with all that being said, let's dive right in. Here's my conversation with Chad Willardson. Chad Willerson, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited. Uh, I, I was, I'm just processing out loud now, but I think you are my favorite LinkedIn follow. Oh, uh, that's nice. Thank so, you. Yeah, Appreciate thank it. you for the consistent content there. Um, a lot I want to cover today, and I want to just start talking about your entrepreneurial leap. Um, I think it was in 2008, you made a jump from a career where you were literally making, I believe, a million dollars a year uh, to start your own thing. Can you can you talk about that process and what you specifically learned about overcoming fear through that? Yeah, 2008 was a, a crazy year in the stock market and the economy. The recession was real. 
And the I was working at Merrill Lynch, one of the big Wall Street banks, and we were being told that everything was fine, though the stock was dropping a lot. Very similar to the Silicon Valley Bank situation where you have probably internal management saying everything's fine while the stock is dropping and people who work there are very concerned. Um, and eventually I saw, you know, I think it was September 15th, around there, 2008, that Merrill Lynch was then bought on a Sunday afternoon by Bank of America, rescued from uh, what would have been a very bad situation. I actually didn't leave in 2008, but that's when all the changes started. I left in 2011, and uh, so I hung around for a couple years to see what the changes would look like. And month after month, things got a little bit different, much different than what they promised they would be. And I eventually just realized that this was not the long-term place for me to, to thrive. And so I was 32 years old, three kids, married with a mortgage, and I definitely was taking a leap of faith because... Like you said, I was doing really well financially. I had a corner office. I was very much in the spotlight at Merrill Lynch. I was fortunate enough to be in the top 2% in the country of their financial advisors out of 16,000. And so they would do cool things. You know, they would fly me around and let me speak to groups. And there were a lot of perks. But deep down, I, I felt conflicted. I felt like there was too much focus on what was good for the big bank and not what was necessarily best for the client. Hmm. And uh, the reason I was in this business is because I really like working directly with people and figuring out how to help them reach their goals. And I'm not really much of a big institutional guy, big corporate guy. And so the more corporate and bureaucratic it got, the less I was having fun. And so I made a very just almost impulsive decision to make a change and just start over from scratch. And so I left and started Pacific Capital with zero entrepreneurial experience. I had never done anything like that in my life. Everyone I talked to privately thought that it was crazy and probably a dangerous, risky, maybe not the best move. But um, luckily, my wife was just like, hey, if you put your mind to it, you've, you've always achieved what you want to go for. So she she had my back, though. I think she was probably crossing her fingers behind her back. <laughs> And so what, what did the experience end up looking like on the other side? Did it, I mean, clearly, you know, if people aren't following you now, <laughs> you know, 10, 10 years later, I guess 12 years later, you're doing very well. And it looks back, it looks like it was the right decision, smart decision. Was it always that way? How long did it take you to get to a point where you were, you know, where you were with Merrill Lynch? Yeah. So business wise, I, I grew so quickly over there. I just was really hustling, beating the pavements. I went from managing $0 in assets, investment assets as a 24 year old uh, trainee to managing over $300 million in assets in just under eight years. And I started over, which was scary. And from 2000, well, end of 2011 till now, um, I'm entrusted now to manage almost $1.1 billion for others. And so we've grown way past what I was producing and, and doing as a business over there at Merrill Lynch. In the beginning though, I mean, it was, I was working probably 18 to 20 hours. I was, wow. I had a lot of bills and no income for a little while. And I had some payroll and I had leases on the building. I had office furniture. I had all kinds of things that I'd never dealt with before. 
managing everything. So it was uh, it was difficult in the beginning, but within you know within a few years, I was back to where I was when I left. Few things I want to, to unpack there. First would just be overcoming fear. I think a lot of leaders listening to this podcast, they may have a dream in their heart, but they're working a corporate job and they feel very similar to how you do of just, I don't feel like I'm doing what I want to be doing or helping people as much as I could be. But man, it's so safe and secure. You know, I get all these perks working at the corporation. Um, you know, I'd rather just play it safe. What encouragement would you have for people actually to, to overcome their fear and make a jump in their life? I think the my honest answer is it's probably not for everyone. Um, there might be people out there that think that that's the only way to really be happy is to be your own boss or have that freedom as an entrepreneur. I actually disagree. I, th I think that that path is not for everyone. It's probably one or 2% that even it even makes sense for. Wow. And um, your path may be actually to work right alongside someone like me who's an entrepreneur. Uh, you get the same entrepreneurial experience. You have a lot of say in a growing company, but you don't have all the financial risk and burden on your shoulders. So that's one thought I wanted to share. I think that you really got to look deep in what you want to do in the next five to 10 years. And are you already working at the company that you can see yourself working for in five to 10 years? And if not, um, certainly talk to the people in leadership there and see what their plans are for you and see where you fit in. But uh, regardless of whether you own your own business or not, I believe that you should be working to maximize your own talents and gifts and doing something that you really have fun doing that you could spend all night and weekend doing and it wouldn't bother you. I think that's a litmus test for, am I doing what I really am meant to be doing? And for me, as soon as I felt that, out of alignment, I knew that I needed to make a change. I just did, I didn't know how. I just mm -hmm. felt that I was going to figure it out somehow. And I probably have a way higher risk comfort level than most people. So I don't necessarily encourage everyone to just blindly jump off the high dive like I did. But certainly, um, if that's in your nature, it's worth exploring. Yeah, you mentioned when you were at Merrill Lynch, you were in the top 2% of performers at a very young age. Uh, clearly, even when you made the jump on your own, you grew and scaled relatively quickly. I'm just curious, what what habits and routines or even um, mindsets do you have that are consistent in your life that enable you to perform at, at such a high level that maybe other leaders could learn from? I'm obsessed with growth and self-improvement. So I'm I've cut out a lot of distractions. I think I made a post or two on that in, on LinkedIn in the last year or so. But like I, I really don't watch movies or TV shows. I don't consume much news. I deleted Facebook and Twitter. Um, you know, and I, I worked hard to build up a over forty thousand followers on Facebook and Twitter, and I had a great social media thing going there. But it was I just felt like it was taking too much time. So I kept LinkedIn and Instagram, and that's about it. But I, I've cut out a lot of things because I'm. I'm finding that the more I, I use my time for things that matter, then the more I can grow. Um, one thing I've always done is I've implemented changes quickly. So if I learn a better way, I have no problem immediately stopping what I used to do. And that's the same with our company. I think everyone here has that same mentality. Now they've adopted it. So it's like if they find a new way to do something, it doesn't matter that we've been working with the technology forever. They're going to make a change and we're going to improve. So. I'm very goal focused. Um, I'm very much into daily goals, weekly goals, monthly goals, and t even 10 year goals. So 
I believe that if you if you don't have a target to aim for, then you're not going to hit anything. So those those are the driven, I guess, foundational principles inside me that have kept me growing, despite you know being at a place where I could definitely relax and not do much. That's just not in my nature. Yeah. Uh, I, I know in your personal growth journey, one uh, organization that's made a huge impact on your life is strategic coach with Dan Sullivan. Uh, I'm not in the program, but I love every single piece of content that comes out of there. Uh, I'm just curious, can you talk about strategic coach and its impact on your life and leadership? Yeah. Strategic coach has completely changed my life. Um, business wise, personal life, everything. Uh, I, I think I've referred over 60 people the strategic coach in the last couple of years. Wow. And by the way, if you sign up because you heard Doug's show, please put my name down. <laughs> Not good. only will it be good for me, it'll be good for you. I get like at least a $50 Amazon gift card every time. <laughs> so, there we uh, go. Not that that makes a difference, but I, I definitely have a really good relationship with the leadership team over there. So it wouldn't hurt you to put my name down, but they, they have changed the way I look at team building at hiring at new collaborations, I don't believe I would have achieved half of my growth had I not joined Strategic Coach. I give them a lot of credit. Dan Sullivan's a genius. He's been coaching entrepreneurs for 49 years, and um, he thinks differently. And I've adopted a lot of his mentality. Uh, he writes such great content, like you said, but his whole team is incredible. He has many, many professionals on the team that have been with him 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 years. And they strictly work with entrepreneurial companies and their founders. And so any person who owns or runs a business, I highly, highly recommend that they join Strategic Coach. The lowest level is the signature program. It's $10,000 a year. It's a tax write-off. You can You can work your way up to the higher levels of the program after you've kind of built the foundation there. They have locations all over the U.S. and Toronto, Canada, but it's to me, it's it is an absolute no-brainer to implement their coaching in your entrepreneurial career. And Chad, just out of curiosity, you know, you mentioned it's a ten thousand dollar investment. I think the highest program is a hundred thousand or more. Highest um, is fifty thousand right now. Fifty. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. But you know, some people can look at that and say fifty thousand dollars. Like, can you talk about the importance of investing in yourself and in your growth? And yeah. I remember at Merrill Lynch, they used to tell us, um, you know, I think it was like invest five to five to 10 percent of your income back into your education and yourself. Wow. And that, that's pretty reasonable. I, I personally think you could do more. The more you invest in yourself, the more there is of you to give and, and grow. And so these are investments, not costs, not expenses. Um, you get a tax benefit if you're a business owner for doing these things. I think it's critical. Um, if you're only listening to your own echo chamber, you're not getting new ideas every year. But if you're challenging yourself and growing and getting certifications and also getting feedback, one of the biggest benefits to strategic coach is we get away from the routine and we think about our thinking and we come back with more clarity and more goals and new opportunities that we wouldn't have otherwise found had we just been stuck in our daily routines back home. And when you go through programs like this, how much of, of it is the content that it's actually transformative versus the relationships that you actually form? I think it's that's a good question. I don't know. I think it's both. I, I also think it's the routine of, like I said, of getting away and brainstorming. 
a lot of it is the forced thinking, thinking about your thinking, as Dan says. It is a lot of good content. Uh, I, I actually think the biggest value is implementing what it, what's there. I think that's something that I've done better than a lot of people. If I'm just being transparent, not humble about it, but like I, I implement <laughs> stuff fast. Yeah. So I think I'm in the same room maybe as let's just pretend there's 30 of us and we're hearing the same content. I, I'm, I'm going to be at that upper tier of the group that implements changes and does stuff because of what I learned that day. And I think there are people that can go to these sessions and maybe just go back and just do the same old thing and keep their habits and routines and they're not going to grow as much. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that I love that, that I've learned out of coaches just, and I think he said every entrepreneur focuses on four freedoms, yes. freedom of time, freedom of money, freedom of purpose, and freedom of relationship. Uh, yep. That's really intriguing to me, not just from an entrepreneurship standpoint, but I think every human being on earth should pursue those four things. Can you right. talk about those four freedoms and, and how you've grown and expanded your four freedoms in your life? Cause I, I think everyone could benefit from that. Yeah, I would say the four freedoms. So freedom of time that Dan talks about. He talks about just expanding how much free time you have. Like, I think the importance of collaboration and finding other team members to do things that aren't your unique talents. They're not your natural gifts. And so I've hired more people than I would have otherwise hired to do great things that gives me more freedom to do the few things that I'm good at. So I don't do a lot of things, uh, but I do a few things really well. And freedom of money is just expanding the opportunity to earn more. And the more, the more growth pursuits we engage in, the more opportunities we have to, to grow our income and our revenues and ultimately have more resources for our family and our, our team and our, the people and causes that we give back to. Freedom of purpose is really about doing things that matter to you. And for me, that was writing the book called Smart Not Spoiled and focusing on how to teach families and kids about money. That's something I care about. It's not something I make money from. It's not like I'm hiring kid clients or something like that. But um, I did co-found the company Gravy Stack, which certainly will be a very big profitable venture that came from my focusing on the purpose of Smart Not Spoiled. So, um, and then freedom of relationships is just being able to be a little bit choosy about the clients you work with, the people you spend time with, not being uh, desperate. So when someone walks through the door, that's not a good fit. You're in a position to say, you know what? I don't, we don't have to take that client or I don't have to hire that person because they're just simply not a good fit. So I think that's, to me, that's, that's kind of summing up the four freedoms that Dan Sullivan talks about. And to me, they're extremely important. Like if you can nail all four of those and use those as a filter for future opportunities, mm. then you're going to be in a much better position when you make decisions. And can you just speak to on freedom of time? I'm curious your, your viewpoint on this. <clears throat> you know, you mentioned, I, I believe you said when you left and started your own company, you had to work, you know, 18 to 20 hour days. Uh, but Dan talks a lot about freedom of time. Do you feel like every entrepreneur in the beginning when they're launching their company, they have to put in a season of, you know, say three to five years where they are grinding 18 to 20 hour days? Or if you could go back, could you have better implemented the freedom of time principle on the front end? I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Uh, it didn't last super long for me. It was probably less than a, it was probably a year, year and a half. I, and I didn't, that 18 to 20 hour 
time frame that was crazy, that was not that long. That was a few months. So after that, I was probably at 14 or 15 hours for a year or two. I think there is some time frame where you've got to put in the, the really, really hard work. But yes, the quicker you can collaborate, uh, the, the faster you can accelerate growth. So I don't think at that point I knew enough to, to do it any other way than I did. But people see the freedom of lifestyle I have now and think it was always like that. And that's definitely not the case. I'm 21 years in the same industry. Wow. So it's taken me a long time to get here. Yeah. And one thing you do is you help people get freedom of money or and a lot of times you're working with people who already have it. I do want to talk about that. You've written three books, uh, a trilogy, so to speak. So we, last time we interviewed you, we talked about smart, not spoiled, which is your money book for teaching kids how to, to, you know, um, steward money. Well, can you talk about the three books? And then I just want to dive into asking you questions about money management uh, to sure. help us all have more freedom of money. Sure. So uh, first book is stress-free money. The set overcome these seven obstacles to find financial freedom. That's applicable really to anyone. It could be a college student, um, a young family, a wealthy entrepreneur, a retiree. It's really just about the, the common mindset obstacles that I see people face that block them from achieving true financial freedom. The second book is Smart Not Spoiled. Like you said, the seven money skills kids must master before leaving the nest. That really gives practical tips to parents, you know, grandparents, teachers, coaches to help train kids to be really smart with money, to be competent and confident before they graduate high school and leave the nest. Third book is Beyond the Money, Seven Lifestyle Shifts for Entrepreneurs with, or sorry, Eight, eight Lifestyle Shifts for Entrepreneurs with Eight Figures or More. This is a very specific niche audience of entrepreneurs who've reached a high level of success, have at least $10 million to invest. Those are our clients. Those are the people that I work for on a day-to-day -day basis. So being able to give them counsel and guidance in the non-financial areas of their life, that's really what this book was about. Fourth book, I'm almost done writing, comes out in October. It's called Fit for Wealth. It's going to be really the correlation principles between creating optimal physical health and substantial, abundant financial wealth. So kind of tying those two together. So can't wait for that. Yeah. So that's, I'm excited about that. I feel like it's coming together. Well, 2020 was COVID year and uh, I decided I was going to do something ridiculous and write 10 books in 10 years. So I'm on pace. <laughs> this is my fourth book in the four, year number four. So that's incredible. I, I do want to talk about just money. So for those who don't have 10 million and above, uh, to invest with you, you know, if you're just talking to, if, if a 20 something's taking you out to college or someone who just started a family, right. what would you encourage them to do now to get freedom of money in the next 20 years? You know, I would say the most important thing is investing out of every paycheck, investing for growth from every paycheck. I think the, the challenge we have is we often, you know, maybe people save in their 401k. That's great. That's a good start. Or they save at the end of the year, or they might save or invest their tax refund. But I think the consistent habit of planting investment seeds over time is what's going to produce the most trees, shade and fruit in the future. And time is your biggest asset and ally when it comes to investing. So the sooner you can start and the more consistent you can be, the more successful you'll be in the long run. So investing for growth as early and as consistent as possible. 
I recommend people send money weekly into an investment account that's growing. And is that, is that just retirement they should be investing in? Or, you know, would you recommend if they're giving 20% of their income, 10 should go towards retirement and another 10 in just like a growth fund? Like what would you encourage people? Just Typically, generally? yeah, generally it's hard to give specific advice, right. but I would say generally speaking, you you fill up the maximum potential retirement accounts, whatever those amounts are. And when you can invest beyond that dollar amount, you have extra income to, uh, to put to work. Then you would invest in a non-retirement account and growth funds, most likely something like a simple ETF that's focused on growth. So companies that offer that, Vanguard, Fidelity, Schwab, those types of companies that have growth-focused ETFs that are low cost, and you just continue plugging away as much as you can. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, you know, what are your thoughts on, for people who are in that stage and season of life, what are your thoughts on, you know, following Dave Ramsey and the baby steps? Are you a fan at that level? Uh, it's hard to say. I'm not for or against um, everything he says. I, I think that, uh, I don't think it's reasonable to be able to pay off every penny of debt before you start investing or saving, I think that's not great advice just because time invested is so valuable. So if, if you wait until you have zero debt, I think that's a challenge. Um, but, it, but his principles are very sound. You know, I think I probably agree with way more than what he says than what I don't agree with, but I've, I've heard him and Susie Orman sometimes quote investment returns or withdrawal withdrawal rates that are way higher than I think are truly possible. So sometimes it's misleading about like if someone has a million dollars, you cannot take a hundred thousand dollars out a year. And I've hear, heard both of them say stuff like you can take out 8% or 10% a year because that's what the market returns. That's not true. You can't take that much out or you're going to run out of money. So uh, as far as debt though, you know, debt has a purpose if it's used wisely, if it's used for smart investing, if it's used for home purchases and things like that. If debt's used for things that you can't afford, that's bad. Um, you know, my wife and I don't have credit cards, so I, I'm, I'm not, I'm a believer in being smart with debt, but I don't think it's reasonable to say you should wait before you invest, you know, pay off everything first and snowball it. I don't, I don't think that's the right path. I see too many people who are like out of medical school or law school and they have big student debt. And they won't invest for their future until they they feel so much pressure to pay off their student loans. And they're rushing to give an early return to the bank rather than investing for themselves. Uh, I just read probably one of the most impactful books I read in the last year. Have you read the book Die With Zero? Or heard of I it? have not. No, I've not read that book. So... It's a general, great, that's a great catchy uh, title, though. <laughs> great title. Great book. I think the author's name is Bill Perkins. But basically, the whole premise of the book is, is people can actually, at a certain point, save too much for retirement, and they mm -hmm. overestimate what they're going to be able to do in retirement. You know, They think, you know, hey, at 40, I'm really healthy. I'm going to be able to climb Mount Everest when I'm 70 as well, and I'm going to have the desire to. But the reality is that's not always true. So he actually argues, and again, be wise, save for retirement. But he also talks about just enjoying today. And even from a charitable aspect, he, he talks about, you know, a lot of people want to leave a legacy after they die. But when they leave a legacy and a gift to their, their loved ones, usually they're in their 60s or older, and they don't actually need the money where the kids could have actually benefited a lot true. more yeah. when they were in their 30s and actually have a growing family, etc. 
I'm just curious with, you know, and without you having context for the book, any advice for actually enjoying your money uh, now while you're doing all of those things and not getting so heavy on that? Do you have any ratios or anything you'd, you'd recommend there? Uh, I think those are great concepts. I haven't read that book, like I said, but I, I agree with what the premise of what he's saying, which is don't, don't be miserly until some future retirement date, you know, still enjoy your life. And if you can't enjoy the money you're earning a little bit, then what's the point? It's not all about, I'm going to live life some future date. Um, and if you follow me on Instagram, you see that I definitely do that. I'm, I'm living life and enjoying things, but, um, what was the second one? Oh, giving while living. Yeah, that's a phrase I use a lot. Giving while living. You're going to have way more impact giving while living than just passing stuff on when you die. I think helping, like helping an adult child buy a house, buy their first house is way more, you know, even if it was like $50,000, that's way more impactful than giving them $300,000 when they're 74 years old. Like that's not as impactful. So I do believe that some of that stuff of what he's saying is true for sure. I think as long as you're investing a good portion of your income, then enjoy the rest. You know, I don't know what that percentage is for every person. Uh, my, my goal would be a lot higher than probably the average person, but I would always want to invest or save at least 20 to 30% of what I'm earning. That's so good. Uh, I want to dive into what I call the lightning round, but before I do anything else that you just want to share about entrepreneurship, money, or leadership? No, let's go lightning. All right. What's the best advice you've received, ever received in your life, and who gave it to you? Oh, man. That's a good question. Um, I would say my, I would, I would quote my grandma and my mom for – always teaching me that where much is given, much is required. Mm. Sounds like you have a great mom and grandma. Uh, Maybe the same answer, but if you could put a quote on a billboard for everyone to read, what would it say? Um, quote on a billboard, it would say something about, you know, th- think bigger and reach higher. Uh, I, I really believe that people can stretch their goals and stretch their dreams a lot higher than they do. And we all put limits on ourselves. So that I would say something about that. When you get to spend time with great leaders like a Dan Sullivan, or I'm sure other people in coach, do you have a go-to question or two that when you you're having dinner with them, you always ask? I like to ask them what they're excited about. I think I want to hear what gets them ticking, what they're excited about. So I just always like to say, what are you excited about right now? What are you looking forward to? Uh, that's usually when they'll share something awesome that they're working on. Yeah. Well, you already mentioned your fourth book, but uh, is there anything else you're excited about right now? Yeah, I'm excited about um, I'm excited about the new clients that we're working with in a couple different states on the eastern side of the U.S., just some different projects that are fun. I'm excited about the fourth book coming out, Fit for Wealth. Um, I'm excited about a potential speaking opportunity in Philadelphia on a big stage that would happen later this fall. Um, yeah, I'm excited about a lot of things. Our, our team is doing great at Pacific Capital. So we're, we're on pace for another record growth year. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm excited about. Uh, yeah, just out of curiosity, do you have a bucket list? You know, I have, um, I don't say that I have a bucket list, but if something pops up that sounds fun or exciting or interesting to experience, like I definitely, I make note of it. 
and talk to my wife about it and we see how we can make it happen. Yeah, yeah. I added my bucket list daily by following you. On LinkedIn, oh, thank man. you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're living the dream. Uh, I am curious in that aspect, maybe it's not a bucket list, but what's something you've done in your life that you believe everyone should experience before they die? Hmm. It's a good question. You know, as far as uh, people like to talk about travel and stuff, which is awesome. People always ask me for travel advice, it seems like. I personally love going to the islands, and uh, that's my favorite place to visit. As far as, like, European places to visit, my favorite country is Switzerland. Hmm. I think um, I'm not a big – I don't love heights. I do have a fear of falling sometimes if I'm on, like, the edge of a building or a balcony. But going paragliding off the Swiss Alps, I've done it twice now, and I took my kids to do it, my teenagers – and that was one of the coolest things ever. Like at first I was very nervous that day, but running and then jumping off the cliff and just like floating over, over the Alps and the Valley in uh, Switzerland was pretty awesome. I'll add it right after this interview, man. That's, <laughs> that's incredible. Um, do you have any, any, um, you may have more than one, but do you have any regrets in your journey that you could go back and you would change something? Yeah, I think I talk about it sometimes, but I, when the, the advice to hire slow and fire quickly, I think I've, I've messed that up before. I've, uh, I don't think I've ever really hired too quickly, but I have fired too slowly. I had a situation where I had a toxic team member and it was really bringing everyone down. And I just kept believing that change would happen. And I tried to work on it so long and I waited too long and it, it did cause just caused a lot of collateral damage and did a lot of harm to the team. And as soon as the person was gone, the business grew 85% in the next 15 months, biggest, biggest 15 months in company history. And it's like, we were clearly being weighed down by the situation. And as a leader, I just took too long to take care of it. That's so good. It's a very similar question and maybe it is the same scenario, but I, you posted the other day of, you know, your wife said, Hey, you're always posting all these awesome things. People probably mm-hmm. think your life is perfect, but it's not. Do you have a, a favorite, another favorite failure in your life that, that led to a success that you can point to? That was a big struggle. I don't even remember what I shared on that, but I know a lot of people like that post. <laughs> They're like, yes, I like to see Chad's mistakes. Um, <laughs> I honestly don't remember. I mean, I've made investment mistakes. I've lost money. And um, like, yeah, I think I shared where I invested in a private company. You know, I, I put hundreds of thousands of dollars in this, in this company and it would have turned into millions had, had they taken the deal with Apple and um, I got some friends to invest and it was really exciting. And then it, it didn't work out. And it turned out they were, the leaders were taking money from the company and starting a side company. And it was just a total mess and we lost everything. So I've learned from that. I've been a lot more, just way more like scrutiny and attention on the, the companies that I invest in, but that was definitely a hard, painful lesson. And, uh, you know, my wife reminds me of it now and again. So (laughs) <laughs> uh, if you could go back and have coffee with yourself at any age uh, and you would have actually listened to yourself, what age would you have coffee with yourself and what would you tell that version of Chad? It's a good question. I'm not a coffee drinker, so I'll have a water with lemon. Um, <laughs> and I'll go back to, uh, I think I would have gone back to, you know, I invested in my 401k in, in my early 20s. 
and I, it's not like I was making much money. I think I was making 39,000 a year, but I would have even more so I would have invested more and been more aggressive because uh, you can't gain back time once it's gone. So good. Uh, and at the other end of your life, at the end, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to be remembered for? I like to be remembered for someone who was a giver, uh, someone who made an impact on other people. Uh, I, I share on social media a lot because I like to inspire, teach, motivate, and sometimes entertain. And uh, I'm, I'm really all about family. So my family is very important to me. I'd like to be remembered as someone who was not, I don't want people to just think of me as someone who was successful and had a lot of money. I want it to be that I was good people person, took care of people, was a family man and cared about making a legacy and a lasting impact on others. Wow. So good. Uh, two minutes left. Yeah. You're dad of five. I just became a dad of four. I don't know if we'll catch up to you, but Congrats. Uh, Congrats. yeah, thanks man. Best dad tip. Best dad tip. Um, being engaged and have it spending one-on-one -on -one time and, and getting interested in what your kids are interested in. I never, ever, ever miss my kids stuff when I'm in town. I, I just, well, I refuse to miss it. I'll miss very important meetings to be at a game or a tournament. You know, I, I don't sit and watch every practice. I'll drop kids off and go do other things, but I'm there. My kids know that I'm there in the bleachers and they can look at me. So I think just, you can do whatever you want to make an impact, but if you don't spend that the time, then that impact is not very strong. So it's really all about spending time. So good. Anything else you want to leave our listeners with today? No, I'm just, I'm thankful to be on here again and uh, happy to be sharing some of the stuff that I've, I've got going on. Um, check out gravystack.com as we're launching this year live to the public gravy stack is going to change the way families deal with money with their kids. Is there, yeah. Is there a set time for that yet? Or is it just sometime this year? Sometime soon. Okay. Uh, hopefully I can't next, wait, man. In the next couple months. Yeah. Well, looking forward to it again. Thanks for your daily inspiration. Honored that you would spend 40 minutes with me and our listeners and hopefully we'll get to do it again. Maybe after you write your fourth book. Awesome. Thank you, Doug. Hey, Leader, thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Chad. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. You can find ways to connect with him and links to everything that we discussed in the show notes at l3leadership.org forward slash 366. And hey, Leader, I say it every episode, but if you want to 10x your growth this year, then you need to either launch or join an L3 Leadership Mastermind Group. Mastermind groups are simply groups of 6 to 12 leaders that meet together on a consistent basis for at least one year in order to help each other grow, hold each other accountable, and to do life together. For me personally, mastermind groups have been the greatest source of growth in my life over the last eight years. So if you're interested in learning more about launching or joining a group, go to l3leadership.org forward slash masterminds or email me at dougsmith at l3leadership.org. And as always, I like to end every episode with a quote and I'll quote Dr. Henry Cloud today who said this. He said, the people who know how to say, sorry, my mistake, have the best lives, period. So, so, so good. Well, Leader, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Know that my wife, Laura, and I love you. We believe in you, and I say it every episode, but don't quit. Keep leading. The world desperately needs your leadership. We'll talk to you next episode.